Middle of the country, but not middle of the road opinions. It's the podcast dedicated to sports in the air capital of the world. I'm going to Wichita. Wichita, Kansas and beyond with Tommy Castor and Blake Cripps. This is Keeper of the Games. Some may say that we are wildly unqualified. Some may say that we are only mildly entertaining. I say, how in the hell did we get to 100 episodes of the Keeper of the Game podcast, the only podcast focusing on sports in and around, and of interest to Wichita, Kansas, I am Blake Cripps. Joined on this historic episode by Tommy Castor. Uh, here we are, episode 100, and uh, it's just going to kind of be a regular episode, but uh, a little bit of a milestone for us. What do you think? Yeah, it really is. Um, you know, we've been doing this podcast, um, I believe, what, it's been like two and a half years for you, probably, since we launched yeah. this podcast. Yeah, um, Weston Mills and myself started it back in, I believe, January of 2020. It was right that before right. COVID started. Yeah, um, we made it, you know, the first like 50 episodes pretty quickly. I think we did like 48 episodes in year one. Uh, and then it's kind of slowed down a little bit. It's amazing then, when you can get done we're still when you have nothing along. else to do. <laughs> That's very true. We're still trucking along, though. And, of course, uh, Weston is no longer on the show on a regular basis. Uh, Blake, you've stepped in, and you and I have been doing the show ever since. And, actually, I, we need to extend a congratulations to Weston and his family. They had another oh, baby yeah, this week. Yeah, I think I heard um, something I about believe that. Earlier this week, I want to say Sunday or Monday, they had a little baby boy. So that's number two for the Mills family. And I think that pretty much solidifies he's never sure. Yeah. And then it seems to be unlikely at this point. The, my question is, do you think that this will be as as iconic of a shot as the weight uh, Wilt Chamberlain won uh, with the 100 for 100 points? Maybe not quite as good. I mean, I don't want to I don't want to <laughs> burst your bubble, um, but I doubt it. Um, I think I can. I can say with some level of certainty, no, probably uh, not. Brock Bowling, who uh, started at KSAL, I actually got to meet him. I had lunch with uh, Chris Allison. He actually did the game on ESPN2. I think it was on the Deuce for the basketball tournament at Coke Arena, which, boy, that was a wild game. We'll have to mention that later in the show. But he did one because it was, it was his 100th event earlier this year on ESPN. So I stole the idea from him. So thanks, bro. Thanks for the idea, Brock. <laughs> uh, coming up on the show today, after we tell you about every place that you can get the show and have been able to for probably about 99 of the last 100 episodes, of course, cogsports.com at cogpod on Twitter, cogpod.podomatic.com, and all of the audio, all the places. Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple, so many more options. Of course, the videos on our Facebook page and also on YouTube. Like, share, and subscribe. We appreciate any feedback that you have for us as well. You can get in touch with us on Twitter. We'll give you our Twitter links at the end of the show. And of course, if you are watching the show, they are in the profile pictures right at the bottom of your screen. Coming up today, Self and Townsend. Held out of recruiting. What does this mean for KU basketball? We're also going to run down some of our favorite stories and segments that we've ever done on the Cogpod. A little look back here at the history of the show. But we're going to begin today with talking a little bit more in depth about Wichita State's new AD, a Manhattan native, Kevin Saul. This was kind of overblown because of all of the rush of uh, conference realignment stuff that we had to cover on our last show. I didn't feel like we wanted to you know, 
shorten this segment. This deserves to be the lead, the lead segment of the show. It's a very, very big deal for Wichita State. So we're going to talk about it now. Of course, he's previously the athletic director at Murray State. And there have been two big words that have been associated with Kevin Saul as he's come in to Wichita State that he's been using over and over. He seems to be a very big branding guy because he's got like his 15 to 1. You know, he is very much the branding catchphrase kind of guy, which, I mean, I'm not saying that that's good or bad. I'm just saying that that's how it is. That's a fact. But it's been transparency and accountability. Those have been the two things that he will talk your ear off to in every interview, every time that he's with the media. It's transparency and accountability. And the third thing, the secondary thing, and probably the most important thing and most interesting thing for Wichita State Shocker fans is competing for American Athletic Conference championships in every sport is what he wants to build the program on. That's what he wants to make the kind of the the brand, the, the blueprint for his success, what he perceives to be his success at Wichita State, is they need to, the Shockers, compete for an American Athletic Conference championship in every single sport. So let's start first with the hire, the man, Kevin Saul, coming from Murray State, which if you look at, you know, kind of the trajectory of how these jobs are typically hired, especially at this spot, not that you can't go from Division Two to Division One, you know, in an athletic department, you typically don't do that at an athletic director level. Typically, you'll jump to an assistant at a D1, but you look at where Murray State is as a program, where Wichita State is as a program, it seems to be a pretty natural evolution for a guy who wants to be at, you know, a higher level of being an athletic director. What do you think of Kevin Saul, the Wichita State fan, who claims to be the guy who grew up watching and loving Shocker baseball. I know Shocker baseball fans probably in love with that, but a Manhattan, Kansas native who has spent time in the Sunflower State. Now coming back, what do you think of the hire? You know, I said when we were talking about what the selection committee would be looking for in a new athletic director that I thought it was going to be imperative that if the Shockers were able to get somebody with prior athletic director experience, holding that top job, that was going to be a win uh, for the Shockers. And we talked about Kevin Saul a little bit, uh, listed as one of the he was on our list, targets wasn't he? for Wichita State. Yeah, we talked about him. Um, I know Taylor Eldridge had mentioned him uh, from the Wichita Eagle uh, um, alongside several other uh, potential candidates. He definitely seemed like the one that had the pedigree, the, the best pedigree to come in to this job and had the ties back to the state of Kansas, which I think is important for sure. Um, you know, I've, I watched his introductory press conference. Um, I followed, you know, some of the remarks that he has made since he joined Wichita State. I think it's a good hire. You know, the, the big difference that I've noted already in the first few weeks of his tenure versus Darren Boatwright, and I, I don't want to I don't want to disparage Darren Boatwright at all because he had, um, you know, some some success there at Wichita State, but just their personalities seem fairly different. Uh, you know, from what I could always tell from Darren Boatwright, more reserved, um, you know, a little bit more um, behind the scenes, I feel like, wasn't necessarily a, you know, want to come out and give speeches kind of guy wasn't super, I don't want to say he wasn't personable because I don't know him personally, but just a little bit more reserved, I think is kind of the, the word that I would use where Kevin Saul is really front and center um, and, and wanting to 
kind of be the the face of you know the athletic department which he should be in that role so i think that's a nice change for sure but really you know speeches are one thing introductory press conferences are one thing but the the results that will be the the litmus test for sure and you know yeah transparency is important accountability is important sure but i think some other words that really need to be focused on we talked about it before is revenue fundraising revenue and nil and fundraising i mean that's that's where the world of college athletics is and we all know that is where wichita state has been lagging behind up until now so him him coming in and having a clear plan and direction and how he wants to steer the ship i think is really important in this crucial transition time in college athletics and i think it i think it lines up pretty nicely that you've got Wichita State going through this transition at the same time that the entire college athletics landscape is going through a transition so they can sort of move through it together which i i, I definitely I, think is helpful you know we we talked about you know, what probably in all likelihood cost Darren Boatwright his job was his lack of proactivity in this space. You know, the NCAA said, and I, I'm still not 100% behind that it was all his fault, um, but certainly at the end of the day, you know, if you're a good coach, you take responsibility for your team. You know, even if the team didn't play well, even if, unless you're Bill Self, in which case you just throw your players under the bus and you don't care because you're Bill Self. But most coaches take the responsibility when their team doesn't play well. Hey, that's on me. I didn't have the guys in the right position to be successful. Darren Boatwright did not have the athletic program in the right spot to be successful. He hasn't talked that much, Kevin Saul has, about NIL and, you know, in terms of the specifics. He has talked about a lot of those. uh, uh, He's talked a lot about those buzzwords that you've mentioned to him. But I would have to think that the NIL opportunities at a spot like Wichita State that's got local businesses and has got, you know, so many boosters that I think you know may still have a somewhat frayed relationship with the athletic department based on the fact that Greg Marshall is no longer the basketball coach and based on the fact that Wichita State baseball is not exactly what it used to be. I think those are the two big, you know, kind of, let's say, divorces that the fans and boosters who had been with the program for an extended amount of time and contributing significant dollars previously, that's probably the hangup for them. I think a lot of the other programs, everybody loves Coach Lamb and volleyball. I think those volleyball fans at Wichita State would probably like run through battery acid for Chris Lamb. And if, if there's anybody who would not run through fire for the softball program, then they need to just find another program to be a fan of because they, they, they can't, they literally can't do anything else for you. Okay. They led the, you know, the literally the universe in home runs last year and have had the best two year stretch in softball history. So those two fan bases are being taken care of and the attendance proves it. They have been selling out Wilkins stadium, but at the end of the day, you and I both know that the straw that stirs the drink at Wichita State has to be and will always be men's basketball. Even if you know Coach Adams gets women's basketball going again, I do think that there is a fan base that will support them. They supported Jody Adams. There is opportunity to grow there. 
But if basketball is not good, unless the baseball team is making the College World Series every year, which they ain't, men's basketball and baseball have to be one or the other, maybe not at the same time, because, you know, thinking back, the times that men's basketball and baseball have been elite at the same time is pretty few and far between. Not a lot of overlap. Maybe some of the Mark Turgeon era and when Gene Stevenson got things started in the 80s, there was definitely some overlap there. But getting those two programs at the top at the same time, I think that's going to be perhaps his biggest challenge is how do I inject all this revenue in this economy where there's all this inflation and people are getting you know, clobbered. Obviously, the rank and file sports fan, the blue collar people like you and me in our tax bracket are probably not the ones that he's going after. He's probably looking a few brackets above us to be. You know, I, I'm thinking that that Coke and Devlin and those kind of families are probably still got money to give around. But I think bringing those people back in is going to be his biggest challenge. Um, the NIL stuff, I think, is going to come just because there is opportunity for the businesses there to make money as well. But I, I don't remember if it was you and me talking or if I, it was if I was talking with somebody else. Because of all this NIL that has been happening, private donations seem to be trickling down. I think we talked about it on the last show, and we did. You know, there's something to be said about those boosters who have always supported and given money every year because they were supporting an education. They were supporting these kids and and get, letting them have an opportunity to go and play and put money in their pocket, you know, indirectly through scholarships and all that. Now, kids can kind of do that on their own, get on TikTok, get on YouTube. How will they bring those people? Can they bring those people back in? I don't know the answer to that. Yeah, you know, I think Kevin saw one of his challenges, and it's been uh, it's not a challenge unique to him. As athletic director, it was a challenge for Darren Boatwright. It was a challenge for Eric Sexton. It's It's been a challenge for, you know, any athletic director that Wichita State has had since 1986 is no football program. And obviously, we don't need to get into the ins and outs of what that will look like in the future. Well, for I mean, State. they're going to bring it not, back, Tom. We know football is not coming back. It's just it's not going to no, happen. Not um, I, I would be I'd be shocked if it ever happened. I much would less be shocked if Kevin Saul even entertains a conversation yeah. on it at this point. Right. One hundred percent. But the challenge is, how do you operate and drive revenue to the athletic department? In a world of NIL and in a world of conference realignment driven by TV deals, media deals with football without having a football program. And that was not necessarily something that Darren Boatwright, I, I know it was a challenge for him, but, you know, Eric Sexton, same way. But they both of them were athletic directors at Wichita State when there wasn't this massive nationwide transition in the landscape it's of different media now. deals driven by college football it's way it's, it's different absolutely now. different right now and we talked about it on the show last week about you know what we could see the you know happening with the big 12 and these other conferences uh you know it does trickle down to the american and wichita state is a non-football american school and so what does it look like for them and in in you know in a world of private donations where you know yeah a lot of big time donors at, at schools around the nation are dropping a ton of cash for football programs and then now they've shifted those dollars some of those dollars at least to the nil where does that leave schools that don't 
have football, and Wichita State is one of them. I think an argument can be made that, well, you know, you're able to, you know, concentrate those dollars a little bit more into, you know, other programs like basketball and maybe even some of the, the women's sports programs and things like that, depending on how those dollars are earmarked. But then the other thought is, okay, well, you're because there's not football, there's not those you're not driving as much revenue as a school that would have a football program. And you're not getting as potentially as big of a share of a media rights deal because you don't have football. Again, not advocating that Wichita state even entertains a conversation. It is what it is. If they did, it'd be awesome. They don't have a football program, right? They don't have a football program. They're not getting a football program. So how do you operate in a world driven by college football and media deals driven by Uh, all of that. And so I think that's a challenge that Kevin Saul is going to have to encounter. And especially, you know, I I don't think we're done with conference realignment. We already know the American is losing several teams going to the Big 12. They're gaining a handful of teams. It definitely is, I would say, a net loss for the American as far as the caliber of teams in their conference moving forward. I don't think we're done overall. So how does Wichita State and Kevin Saul navigate that? Well, you mentioned media deals. And I think if you're Wichita State, it is high time. It's been time for years. And I said this probably about 10 years ago, probably like nine years ago now, right after the Final Four run. You need to create a statewide Wichita State sports radio network. I don't think it's ever going to happen. Why not? Why? Why do all these other schools have one? And I I realize the iron right now is not as hot as it was back in 2000. I still think that this is the biggest missed opportunity that Wichita State has had. When you've got, you know, these stars, Ron Baker from Western Kansas, you're telling me those those people in Scott City are not going to tune in to hear Wichita State basketball? In twenty in twenty fourteen, absolutely. In twenty twenty two, I realize that it I don't it I has don't cooled it. now. But you know, I think that there is such a massive opportunity there, not just in terms of getting the Wichita State name out there, but in terms of growing the fan base greater, more over the state, not just Sedgwick County and Reno County and Butler County and and down in southeast Kansas. I realize that there are Shocker fans everywhere. But can you imagine KU or Kansas State not having a radio presence in Wichita? Yeah, I I guess my counter to that, and I'm, I, I'm not saying that I agree with this whatsoever, but I think there's been a mentality that Wichita State is not a regional draw, that Wichita State is a city of Wichita draw. It has draw. to change. Uh, and, you know, I, I think that there's... I think that there is an argument to be made that yes, there there's a fan base outside of the Wichita Metro um, or outside of the terrestrial radio sure. signal of what KUIN 103.7 can reach uh, for shocker men's basketball games. Um, but I just, I don't see, and we're not going to get into the world of, of radio necessarily, but I'm not necessarily sure that there's that much of a, an upside for a radio station in Dodge City or a radio station in Colby or a radio station wherever to pick up Wichita State 
with sponsorships and be able to make money off of it. And, and so I don't disagree with the premise as a whole. I just don't it's, see it happening. It's unfortunate that, you know, and it might, it might take finding the next Ron Baker. And then the next time that Shocker basketball is that hot, I would implore whoever is in charge at that time. Maybe it's 10 years from now. Maybe it's, you know, 25 years from now. I mean, Greg Marshall's era was a literally a once in a program era of shocker basketball. And there was good times in the 60s and great times in the 80s. There ain't been no time like Greg Marshall's time. And maybe Isaac Brown's going to figure it out and get the guys back this year. We don't know. This is still, as far as I know, a pro-Isaac Brown show. Unlike what seems to be like 95% of Wichita, which apparently doesn't think Isaac Brown could coach now, which we do not agree with on this program. But the next time that you have local Kansas kids in your program, they need to go. I don't even care who it's with. I mean, obviously, 95% of the deals right now are with Learfield. But my point in bringing up KU and Kansas State is you cannot imagine KU not having a radio presence in Wichita. Like when Kansas State, there was a time when they did not have a radio presence in Wichita. It was a big deal. Wichita State needs to be that kind of a deal statewide. It has to be a thing where as a Shocker fan, as a Shocker athletic department, you say, we can't afford to not be on in Kansas City or Topeka or Russell, Kansas or Scott City or, you know, liberal, wherever. Pick, you know, I'm not saying that you gotta, you're going to get 30 radio sponsors overnight. That's, that's not feasible. It's not realistic. But you ought to be looking at, can we get somebody in Pittsburgh, Hutchinson, growing it one station at a time. I think that it is a big opportunity. The other question I want to ask you before we move on, what does every sport need to get to the point of accomplishing Kevin's goal? Kevin Saul, new athletic director of Wichita State, is our conversation now, in terms of competing for an American Athletic Conference championship. That's the goal. And I know that some people are probably going to be saying, well, you know, we ought to be going for a Final Four in men's basketball and all that. In most sports for Wichita State, if you're competing for an American Athletic Conference championship, you're going to be pretty damn good. We don't know, you and I, we don't know what life is going to be like in this new American. The level of competition is is certainly going to be lower. What does that look like for Shocker softball? I think that's the maybe the program that could take the biggest hit because... I don't know anything about these softball schools that are coming. I don't think that they are bringing that much to the table compared to some of those juggernauts that are leaving the conference to go to the Big 12. We also don't know what that's going to mean for men's basketball. There's an awful lot of those really, really good basketball schools that have been at the top, near the Final Four, that are going to be heading to the Big 12, specifically Cincinnati and Houston, are the two that immediately popped to mind, that are not going to be playing Wichita State every year. Those are really, really big losses in terms of strength of schedule, in terms of getting those quad one and two wins, because those are teams that have been perennially recently in the top 25. So that means you're going to have to really start pushing again, just like it was when the Shockers were in the Missouri Valley Conference, talking specifically about men's basketball. Boy, you really have got to jam the pedal down on the non-conference now to get those quality wins. Um, It's going to be different for the other sports, for track and field, for volleyball, and women's basketball even. It's, It's not going to be the same. So there are very many different sports 
and those different sports have potentially very different needs. So how does Kevin Saul go about getting every sport what they need? Because all the programs are in different spots right now. You know, men's basketball coming off of a conference championship two years ago, major step back and a huge rebuild this year with so many new players. The women's basketball team just kind of treading water in mediocrity right now. Obviously, volleyball has had a couple of down years by Coach Lamb's standards. And, and softball, obviously, the hottest thing going right now. And certainly, when you mention baseball, that's a program that's been kind of underachieving for about a decade. So what does Kevin Saul need to do to get every sport to the point where they are competing for American championships? Well, it's the age-old question, right? I mean, you know, it kind of... You, you think of that chicken or the egg, you know, you scenario, and it's kind of like, all right, so the teams have to win to make more money, but you need more you money to win. Um, and, and, but I think it, I think it really comes down to budget. It comes down to revenue, um, you know, for, for the entire athletic department, if they're able to raise more money and get more money into the budget for these, uh, programs, then they're going to have more of a, uh, more resources to compete at a high level. I, I always think back to the shocking stat, and I don't know it exactly, but you know, when all the times we've talked about how god awful Kansas football has been <laughs> over the last, <laughs> why do you, you have know, to more why does decade. this come up every show? But, how bad but, we are. Well, because it's relevant. I know it is. Because I remember hearing one time about the 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 budget that football had. And the number of staff members and support staff members that Kansas football had and analysts and assistants and things like that. And it paled in comparison to any other team in the Big 12. There was just no Probably money. Probably paled in comparison so how to are Northwest you going to, Missouri State, let's be honest. Right. So how are you going to even think about competing at a high level if you don't have the resources to compete at a high level? And then people came back and said, well, you got to win before donations come. And well, okay, well, you need the donations also to win. It's that, you know, chicken or the egg, like I said, but I always think about that. And part of it, yeah, absolutely comes down to the performance on the field on game days, right? Across the entire gamut of all the programs, but it also comes into the resources that these programs have. And again, when you are an athletic director for a division one, uh, division one athletic department, you, your title, yeah, is athletic director, but it also probably should be slash chief fundraising officer. Like that is your job. You have got to go to the big hitters and the fundraisers, the ones who are willing to write the checks. Darren Boatwright had admittedly lost the trust and the support of a lot of those major, major donors. He's got to get that back so the budget can stay high so he can start and continue putting money where it needs to go, the resources and the programs where it needs to go so they can perform at a high level. The other thing I want to point out is, and we don't need to necessarily get into a discussion about this, but yeah, the expectations for Shocker fans, especially in men's basketball, I've always heard like, well, they need to be going to a Final Four, like you just said. You know, I'll, well, okay, that was kind of lightning in a bottle. Uh, it was great when it happened. It was fantastic. It was fun to be along for the ride on that. It's not realistic really for a lot of teams, probably for nearly every team to say they ought to go to the final four. Probably for all the like Uh, five teams can probably say, you know, we ought to go like Duke, Kansas. I don't know, but I would have said Villanova, but with, you know, new coach, I'm not sure. Um, Gonzaga probably feels like they should go. I mean, they should go to the final four every year. They, and, 
Kentucky feels like they I should think go about to the how Final good Gonzaga year, you know? has been and how yeah. little they have accomplished in terms of national championships. And that's still like I don't yeah. take anything away from they're a great program, the best mid-major program by like from here to the sun and back like five times. Yes. Okay, they're great, but they have zero championships and like one Final Four under few one. And think about how good they've been. And so. Yeah, and, and so I just, I feel like there are these incredibly lofty expectations. And I'm not saying they shouldn't be um, lofty specifically, either. Specifically, well, sure, but they're unrealistic expectations. And I think that that's, that's, part of the, that's part of the issue that I know Isaac Brown has ran into. And, you know, you're, you're coming off of the Greg Marshall era, which was the most successful era in Wichita State men's basketball history, no doubt about it. But it, it was it's unsustainable uh, expectations as well. And so I think that it's important to temper that a little bit and realize that, okay, there's it's a whole new leadership structure now with Kevin Saul in place. Isaac Brown needs to be given some time to get his program the way that he wants it. Uh, and, and so I think that that should not preclude people, the donors, the boosters, from picking up their their checkbooks and giving back to that that university and not just saying yeah we're gonna give nil dollars that's great that's important and I'm I'm on board with that but also let's not forget that these programs at the university they need the financial support as well so they can continue to have the resources to compete at a high level. Wichita State, of course, getting things started with volleyball coming up here in. God, it's it is impossible for me to believe that we're going to be talking about the start of a new sports season in like two weeks. It's July 29th as this is coming out, and we are two weeks away from like Division two sports starting with soccer and volleyball, and we're a month away from football, essentially a month and seven days or whatever. It's crazy how fast the calendar is turning. We're already here for 22-23. Uh, speaking about what's not happening right now on the summer, Bill Self and his lead assistant coach, Curtis Townsend, have been held out of the July live recruiting period. Of course, it's not a big secret right now that the NCAA case has still not been decided. This has been, I think, let's see, uh, notice of allegations in September of 2019. They got a strongly worded response in May of 2020 from the NCAA. And since then, we have heard pretty much bubkiss about this. This has been over two years since the strongly worded response. September 2019, we are coming up on you know nearly a four-year anniversary of this deal. And it's not even the only one. Arizona and Louisiana State, they both are still in this process as well with the independent accountability resolution process created in the fallout from that FBI investigation involving, of course, several Adidas employees. Norm Roberts and Jeremy Case have been on the road throughout the spring and the summer, but Curtis Townsend, Bill Self were held off the road. That's according to CBS Sports. They reported first. There was some local reporting after that. Of course, it's one of the biggest periods in college basketball recruiting. You've got all these summer leagues, all these teams, AAU, and of course, with the national champions not being out there with their head coach, it definitely is worthy of a response. So, Tommy, what's your response? Is this a big deal? Little deal or absolutely no deal at all? I don't care. I don't care. I mean, you know, regardless if it's a big deal, I don't know. It might be a very big deal. But you don't care. I have no idea. 
I just don't. I just don't care. Th- this um, is basically like a Blake there is, on high school recruiting situation. Okay, sure. Tell me, tell me when there is a resolution. <laughs> I don't tell know me when the when the penalties. Tell me when the penalties are levied. When we actually have some finality in this, and then I'll care. And then then I'll talk about whether it was a big deal or a little deal or absolutely no deal at all. Do I think that there are going to be penalties? Yeah, I, I do. I'm sure that there will be something. Um, there, there's been speculation for months upon months upon months about what it would look like. Are we talking about postseason bans? Are we talking about suspensions for Self and Townsend? Are we talking about vacated victories? Which I don't see necessarily that going as you know that far. Can't believe that. You, that would I think be the that case. you know, especially right now with the, this new of, era coming in. With players right. that never what, played so, for KU. Right. What's so frustrating about this entire thing is that this was supposed to be handled by that independent body, which I think it still is under their jurisdiction. The, the, there might as well um, just but, be but like part of letters it, in a can of alphabet soup right now. They don't right. mean anything. Part, part of it, 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 I think one of the reasons why it was decided by, I think, jointly by both Kansas and the NCAA to move it to this independent body, quote unquote, was for it to be handled expeditiously. That has not been the case at all. And you know what? I I agree with you to an extent because, yeah, we we have this independent body with the acronym. What is it? A-I-R-P. It's like, I I read it. I can find it. It It sounds like what senior citizens get (laughs) when they're that's AARP. <laughs> yeah, when they retire. No, it's um, IARP, the yeah. Independent Accountability Resolution Process, which so far... And who are they? Do we know who they are? We so don't know far, who they are. I mean, they are independent, and there's been a process, but the, there hasn't real? been much accountability, and there's certainly no resolution at all. So right. I don't even know what, they, so, what they're doing at this point. Right. So again... It, it, yeah, it's exactly like you and high school recruiting. I like, understand it's a I story, care. but I don't care. Yeah. I don't care when it, you know, when there actually is some resolution uh, for both Kansas. And you know what? Yeah, I like I said before, there's going to be penalties. I think that if you are a Kansas fan and you think this is just going to magically go away, I think you're mistaken. I think there's going to be something. And I, you know, I think you could potentially see lot, maybe a loss of some scholarships. I think you could potentially see some suspensions. Um, it wouldn't shock me to see Bill Self have to sit That's, out a little bit. Uh, I don't necessarily know, but I we're going to see something. It's just the question is, will it be? Well, this that's something that I from what I have read, some of the speculation is among the people who know, which is, you know, neither person that is appearing on your screen right now, if you're watching this program, because we don't know. But their speculation is that this is kind of an olive branch from Lawrence to the NCAA and say, hey, you know, we've fought you tooth and nail. We're going to continue to do that. We're going to toss you a bone here. We're going to self-hold these guys out for the whole July. You guys and I, you know, everybody knows how important this recruiting period is. Now, I mean, I don't know how much this actually hurts Kansas because, I mean, it I think Norm Roberts and Jeremy Case can still all. recruit. I think that, you know, like, did they take Bill's cell phone away? I, I, I kind of doubt it. I, you know, Bill Self and yeah. Curtis Townsend are still kind of a big deal. KU still is the defending national champions. But I think that they're doing this for the NCAA and said, hey, we're going to toss you a little bone here. 
can we go ahead and just like wrap this up because the stuff that we're accused of doing apparently now is just okay and everybody's doing it and you know we've had we right. had you know Matt Beatty on this show and we've had other heard other people say you know basically literally everybody is doing this KU just got caught but everybody was doing that i don't know if that's true or not what i do know is the two players that have been in, mentioned and involved in these allegations and investigations Zion Williamson, Billy Preston, who have played, remind me how much, oh yeah, that's right, zero minutes for KU, zero minutes. So I don't want to hear from all these fans who are telling me that they're going to take banners down and strip Big 12 championships, like, come on, for, for what? For players who did not play a minute of ball for KU, they're going to sacrifice wins? I, I cannot in my life, I imagine that that could possibly happen. Will there be a fine or, you know, a loss of scholarships? You know, maybe they don't get to use a recruiting period in the future. I can see all of that happening. But right now, as they get to, you know, set to unleash Pandora's box with unlimited transfers and pay players to come and play and seven figures to be a quarterback at Alabama, I, I just have a very, very hard time believing that this is, you know, I, I would say this is a little deal to answer the, you know, to play along with the segment. It's a little <laughs> deal, but you... With all of this money being sloshed around completely out in the open, they're not even using a, an envelope anymore. They're just saying, hey, come for us, $50,000, we will get you a deal and you know, you'll know you eat queso for five minutes and we'll give you this money. <laughs> I, I just can't get bent out of shape and, and lose, you know, I just can't lose much sleep over this right now, Tommy. I just can't. I don't lose any sleep <laughs> at all, again, until there's resolution, which, um, which I, I doesn't care. It does care. not appear to be forthcoming any time in the near future and, at all. You know what? They're the they're the defending national champs. They, like they, that. Won, they won the championship in April. So, uh, you know, it's uh, they could go out and, you know, not they could get bounced in the first round next year. And Bill Self could be suspended the entire year. That would suck. But you know what? That would be a joke. If so whatever. Suspended for the whole year. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's it, we get it. You know, going back to back. For championships is great, but yeah, I mean, like, like we said when Christian Brown left, you know what? You want a championship? You want us a championship? God bless you. God bless you, David McCormick. God yep. bless you, Ochai Go and ha be successful. And, th and thank you from the bottom of our hearts for everything that you've done for us. Uh, wrapping things up here on the show, going to run through some of our favorite stories and segments we've ever covered on the CogPod. I don't know how many you brought. I've got a couple here that I wanted to go through. Uh, we've had some very good, uh, let's say, discussions over the years, maybe even some disagreements and some arguments, and obviously a lot of very, very big stories to discuss. What stands out to you as we celebrate our 100th episode of being on the CogPod here? Uh, what are some of the special stories and, and some of your favorite segments that we've done? And it doesn't have to be with me. It could be some with Weston as well before I started coming aboard. But uh, any that stand out to you? Yeah, I think for me, you know, nothing against you or Weston because I think we've had well, I know great exactly discussions and go. disagreements over the over the years. But it's it's the interviews that we've done, um, and we haven't done one in a while. Um, right. Maybe we just don't have anybody willing to come on the show anymore. Are but, you saying that maybe um, in twenty twenty three we need to get back on that? 
we, you know, that might sure. not be a terrible idea. Um, but we, we've had some good interviews and some good guests on the show um, over the, the hundred episodes that we've had. You know, I, I think of, um, man, who all, I, I mean, the biggest one probably. Oh, was cool. Jeff yeah, Gibbon. that's, that, that's um, immediately whole, who I when, thought of. You thought you were going with that. Yeah. When, when the whole Greg Marshall story broke uh, near the end of 2020 uh, and Jeff Goodman, uh, college basketball writer, insider, uh, he's the one that broke the story about the, the allegations against Greg Marshall, came on the show. And I always tell this story to people. Um, I, I, I reached out to him because he was doing some local media. He was on a couple of the local sports yep. talk shows and things like that. And so I just literally slid into his DMs. <laughs> And asked if he would join the podcast, and I, I, I fooled him. I think he thought that we were a legitimate podcast because <laughs> uh, he responded right away and said, "Sure, that'd be great." Um, his availability was, uh, it only worked with with my schedule. It didn't work with you or Weston at the time, uh, so I, I did the interview with him um, by myself. And we, I think we had actually released a show like the day before, and then we did a, like a yes. bonus show with him to get the show out. And it was just, he, you know, he, he and I, in that interview, um, and it was like a 20 minute long interview. Good interview. He was very gracious with his time. Um, and, and we talked quite a bit about everything that had gone on. And, um, some of the things that he said to me were things that were not in his article. And so I sort of felt like we were breaking some of the information a little bit. And that was by far and I think we've got the I've got the stats th- that I I I saved uh, by far our most listened to show and our most one watched of them, show on YouTube it, uh, one of, without a doubt and I, I think it was because people in Wichita were were craving that information and wanted to know everything that had been going on so I think of all the different interviews we had uh, Scott Welsh on the show at one point he was uh, the general manager at Crestview Country Club talking about the Wichita Open we had Aaliyah uh, Funshell on the show who um, covered Wichita State um, and has a sports talk show herself does a lot of things in the world of sports we've had a lot of dip- Matt Beatty's yes. been on the show a few different times which by the way I don't know if you saw he rebranded his NIL yeah, like company mass- um, mass, uh, mass, mass strategies, strategies that's ma- right. but mass street, mass, mass ST for short. There you go. Playoff, Very nice. Lawrence done. clever yeah. right there. Uh, so we've had, we've had some good guests on the show over the years. Uh, and, and so that's, and been we'll have to get back to that here in the 2023, uh, 2023 after we turn the calendar, that might not be a bad idea. Um, uh, I have to say my favorite thing on the show has been, was being proven right about David McCormick. Because I, oh, I was just so so relentlessly and needlessly, baselessly attacked on that position. I'm so glad that I never wavered. And in the end, it was David McCormick getting the game-winning baskets for Kansas. It was such poetic justice. And I know that it's not it wasn't really you who did it, but it, it was extremely satisfying to, to watch how that all played out, I have to say. Yeah. I don't know. I don't feel like you were proven right at all. I feel like what? I feel like you I feel like there was a flash of competency. A flash from David McCormick that was able to for you to feed this thought into your head oh that somehow David McCormick is this game changing player. He had a good national championship game. He had a good he had a run great in the NCAA final tournament. Four. He was great, he had a great last final four. year. This year, he was not as But good. he was, and yeah, he was 100% a key contributor and a big reason Probably why been the MOP. Uh, Kansas was able to hang that banner. 
However, as a as a as a whole, he was fr- the most frustrating player I've ever seen at Kansas. Without <laughs> uh, a doubt. most frustrating, more frustrating than David Padgett. Okay, he he's in the Micah top Downs, five. I can think of like Brandon Green is probably C. on that J. list too. Giles more frustrated than those uh, guys. You know, LeGerald Vick. There, there were some frustrating some players frust- over the years. Brady Morningstar, but he. But he was definitely on that list Come of on. frustrating players. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't get that. Obviously, that's your one. Like that's your one. Like I actually do something legitimate and talk about like the great interviews we've had and like been like. I mean, I wasn't you know, done ser- like giving props to people. I wasn't done. Okay, no, I mean, ahead. obviously, the two that okay, stand out for me are covering the national championship for KU and the Chiefs run to the Super Bowl. Those were uh, like sure. you know unbelievable that it happened to fall on a time when we were on the podcast. And, I mean, certainly the Super Bowl win for the Chiefs, you know, was like a it – was, it's like a white whale moment that you just never think you're going to get because this team has consistently and repeatedly just ripped your guts out. Literally every single year, you're thinking this can't get any worse than it is right now. And then finally they make it. So I have to probably put that one – even over the KU National Championship, because while it was oh so sweet and what a game that they had to win it, but there was just that cathartic release of the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl that you just, you know, when you're alive and it's, you know, you're enti- literally your entire lifetime before that they, you know, win a playoff game, much less get to the Super Bowl. I mean, that, that was an unbelievable run to, to watch them do that. And nothing about, you know, sharing time with your uh, co-host You didn't exactly mention all. sharing time with your co-host either. You're more excited about Fair Jeff enough. Goodman. So uh, those are just some of our favorite memories about the CogPod coming up. What do you think is going to be the most, uh, if you had to pick what you think will be your favorite story in the next year of the CogPod? So I'm asking you to extrapolate mm. a little bit here. Because we don't, obviously we come in, this is, you know, live radio for for lack of a better term we don't know what's going to happen this isn't a scripted show where we know what's going to happen next week and the week after that we kind of just react to what's going to happen what do you think is going to be your favorite thing that happens on the show in the next year and what do you think is going to be the biggest story that happens in the next year i think that, that some of it i don't know if i can narrow it down to just one i think the one thing that that i think we know is coming and it's just going to be a matter of when, and it might be in the next couple of weeks, is more news on conference realignment. And that's mm-hmm. something that we've talked about quite a bit on the show, you know, as opposed to being like, all right, well, yeah, we're going to talk about the Chiefs and another playoff hunt for them and what that's, you know, potentially going to look like. We don't know that, you know, at all. Or, you know, are the Royals ever going to pull themselves out of the gutter? Again, we don't know that. And so Trend I don't know if we need to talk about good. it in that way. But at least we know, or at least we have a pretty good idea, that conference realignment is not done. Uh, and so I think that as the weeks go on, as the summer rolls on, we get into fall, um, there's going to be more breaking on that um, until the dust is completely settled. That's probably the the one thing that I I get excited about because, I don't know, it, you know, I, I'll admit, I didn't play a lot of sports at a high level. Like I played baseball, you know, going into high school. Um, I never played football. I played basketball up until middle school and I played golf. Um, 
and I was a broadcaster. So I can't break down the X's and O's um, super well. That was one thing Weston was really good at on this show because he played sure. college football and he could break down some of the schemes and things like that. So when we're talking about like an overall like conference realignment, that's something that's that in your wheelhouse doesn't deal with the X's and O's. Sure. That's in my wheelhouse more. And so I would say that's probably what I'm going to be most excited about talking about in the. Weeks I think that, that will probably end up being, depending on what happens, could be the biggest story. My favorite story yeah. would be KU football not being a total disaster this year. That would be my favorite sure. story in the next year. I have a feeling, I, I just have a feeling that Kansas State's going to be better than people expect. I, I just have this feeling. Of course, I don't know when we're going to have our next show. It's going to be pretty close to college football kickoff time. So we're probably yeah. going to make our next show our Big 12 football preview looking at KU and Kansas State and probably taking a look at uh, Shocker Volleyball as well. But I would love to see a turnaround for Shocker Volleyball. And I would love to see KU football, obviously, obviously I don't want to see Kansas State football do well, but it's not really up to me. I think that they are going to do well, and they may surprise people this year. So that's what's coming up later on the show. So uh, 100 episodes in the books, Tommy, uh, kind of hard to believe. But there is a still, of course, yeah. one last piece of business. It is time to hit the music as we go around Wichita. It is our Wichita whip around, maybe the best story that you missed in Wichita sports this week or over the last couple of weeks since we're not doing shows every week here in our summer siesta. Tommy, what do you bring to the table for us this week on the show? Yeah, well, you know, obviously um, I, I know that you mentioned it at the beginning of the show. TBT uh, has been in Wichita and there's quite a bit to yes, talk about is. with that. The aftershocks just, you know, absolutely killed uh, in in the, uh, the Coke Arena matchups that they had uh, over the last several days. And they are one of, what, four remaining teams left going in TBT. To Dayton. They're going to Dayton, Ohio, with the opportunity to win $1 million. And I think that one thing that's nice about the Aftershocks and just Wichita State basketball in general is there is still so much fan support. And I know that it's been... It's been a struggle. This last season was a struggle for Wichita State and with Isaac Brown. And I, I know that, you know, that what they where they performed versus expectations didn't really match up. But there is still rabid fan support for the, the, the basketball program and those who played at Wichita State basketball in the past. And so seeing the fans come out to Coke Arena and then just how dominant of a team they had. And it was pretty... There were some pretty close games that Elam ending uh, in place provided some really high quality entertainment for the fans and, you know, some really nail biting moments. But hats off to the Aftershocks as they, they've got an opportunity to walk away with a million dollars. The NBC World Series is getting started here this weekend. That's what I'm bringing to the table. Hobart Detterfield in Hutchinson. Thursday, Thursday, this was the first day of the tournament. The first four days will be in Hutchinson. It swaps over to X Stadium on the campus of Wichita State starting on Monday, August 1st. Of course, you know the address for X Stadium. Some of the local teams that will be involved include 316 Elite, the Hutchinson Monarchs, uh, also involved, the Liberal BJs are back once again, and the Hayesville Aviators, along with the Cheney Diamond Dogs, some of the teams that are involved in pool play this week at the NBC World Series. As you watch this, it's Armed Forces Night, and the action actually starts at noon today, as you watch this on Friday the 29th, up there at Hutchinson. The noon first pitch is San Diego versus Denver. Liberal plays at 3 o'clock. 
Cheney plays Waco at 6 o'clock in Hayesville, taking on one of the all-time great franchises. And certainly, I'd have to say, you know, I don't, I have not been following the tournament now that I'm not doing play-by-play for it, not really up on the teams and how good they are. Um, Seattle playing as we're recording this show, but the Seattle Studs and Santa Barbara Foresters, just based on what they have been able to accomplish at the tournament in previous years, you would have to think that they are going to be two of the big, big favorites. And Hayesville versus Santa Barbara, what a fantastic opening Friday night of the tournament in Hutchinson there uh, at Cary Park, so at Hobart uh, Detter Field. So that'll be a fantastic start to the NBC World Series as it gets shifted over to X Stadium on Monday, August 1st. Tommy, any addition? Blake, I actually have. I've got one more. I've got one more story though. Oh, well, the Wichita Whip around let me, that. Let me start the music again there. I Gee, I didn't know we were double Sorry. dipping. Please continue. <clears throat> Sorry about that. My bad. Uh, So some Wichita Thunder hockey news that I'm bringing to the table uh, today that um, really uh, was announced the other day. There really wasn't a whole lot of coverage on it. And so I think it kind of slipped under the radar for a lot of people. But the announcement was made that Wichita is no longer an affiliate with the Edmonton Oilers of the NHL. That announcement was made, I believe, on Wednesday. Uh, And so Edmonton uh, made a change. They are now with the Fort Wayne Comets. Uh, of the ECHL. And so that's the affiliation. Uh, Wichita is in negotiations from what I know with a handful of other NHL teams that are without affiliates right now. And there should be an announcement made forthcoming, uh, but nothing to report right this second. Although um, the big story is just that they're no longer with the Edmonton When they picked up that affiliation, I know that that was thought of by hockey fans as if you don't have an affiliate, that's very, very bad in the league that they're playing in. How big of a deal, you know, as somebody, I know that you're not in, you're not exactly in the hockey operations office there. You know, right. you're selling tickets, which by the way, I mean, if you need some season tickets, this, this guy on that side of the screen is probably the, or are you on I'm this, guy. are you on this side of me? The guy next to me on the screen is, uh, is, is yeah. the guy to, to talk to about that. Um, they made it sound like it was a big deal to not be affiliated before. Of course, they picked up the Oilers affiliation. Um, how big of a deal is this? And from what you're saying, it sounds like this is not really in flux too badly. Like this seem, it, You're making it sound like it's pretty imminent that an affiliation is going to be coming. Yeah, there should be a new affiliate uh, for okay. for the Thunder. And, you know, for, to my knowledge, every team in the league has an NHL affiliate. In fact, there are more NHL teams than there are ECHL oh, wow. teams. And so there's, like I said, a handful of them that don't have ECHL affiliates. And I think to answer your question, it depends on the team. Uh, and really, there are... There are some teams in the ECHL that have really close symbiotic relationships with their NHL affiliate or even their AHL, which is the AAA, with their uh, their affiliate. Um, for Wichita and Edmonton, it was Bakersfield in California. They were the AHL affiliate. But in the really, to my knowledge, there wasn't a super symbiotic relationship uh, between Edmonton and Bakersfield and Wichita. It was more kind of a, of a one-way sure. deal where you know players were being called up, but there weren't necessarily players being called back down uh, a lot from my understanding. But there are teams in the league. For instance, I think of uh, Newfoundland up in uh, Canada. Their NHL affiliate is uh, Toronto, and they share players quite a bit. And it really is kind of a a true farm team uh, for the Maple Leafs, where it just kind of depends upon the the, the team. Um, 
and you know what, I, I, I've raised this question before and I don't really know the ins and outs of hockey and the minor league system, the way it works. I've, I'm a baseball fan and I have a lot of knowledge of baseball and I've always wondered why the hockey minor leagues don't operate as much like a farm system as minor league baseball does. And I, I, I think that's a priority for the ECHL and the NHL moving forward is to try to grow that. that system I can answer more. that question for you. The answer is because guys can't get blowed up playing baseball for the wind surge. You bring a guy down here True. for the Oilers. Can you imagine guy? I blank on who they're super young Oh, God, the hot shot player for Edmonton right now. Uh, can you imagine him coming down to Wichita and some journeyman is going to blow him through the glass? That can't happen. In baseball, True. it's impossible True. for that to happen. So to me, that's why. I mean, can you imagine like if Alex Ovechkin was on a rehab assignment and played in Wichita, how <laughs> awesome that would be and how many people would oh, sure, show yeah. up? It would be incredible. I would go like we have to make cancel our plans. We've got to go and watch this. But it's just not practical yeah. because of the physicality of the sport, I think. You know, you're sure. And my, so my, under, yeah, my understanding is that me, though. sure my, my understanding is that there there should be a new affiliation uh, announcement at some point in the near future. Do we have any additions, corrections or attractions in the near future from you? I do. I've got a couple. Um, obviously, we um, we're coming up to the MLB trade deadline. Uh, we know that Andrew Benintendi is no longer a Royal. He was traded to the New York Yankees. I want to get your thoughts. I tweeted about it the night before when the trade was made. Not a great haul, in my opinion, for the Royals based on the prospects they got back from the Yankees. And, you know, Andrew Benintendi, yeah, he was the lone all-star for the Royals, but he's not a, you know, franchise player by any means. That shows you how poor the Royals, you know, actually are. Um, but I would have thought the haul would have been a little bit higher. The return would have been a little bit higher from what the Yankees were giving the Royals not a, not any top 10 prospects, one top 20 prospect. That's pretty much all they yeah, got. Yeah, I mean, he, he was having a very good year. And all. I mean, I don't know. I did not pay attention to whether or not he should have been selected or if somebody got snubbed. I think they're still doing the deal where every team has to have one all-star, which I, I like. I think that's fine. But, I mean, he was hitting 320. He was having his best offensive season for the Royals in terms of uh, his batting average uh, was getting on base 387 again career high uh, slugging was down this year but in terms of getting on base and batting average he was having his best season so um, yeah you would like to think that you would be able to get a, a nice return from that but you know, based on his position, maybe there weren't that many teams that were in need of a left fielder. I, you know, I don't know. It's hard to say. Uh, but yeah, obviously, you would like to get as much as possible. My addition is that the Wichita Wind Surge have their seven-game home winning streak snapped by the Northwest Arkansas Naturals. They lost five to nothing on Wednesday night. Uh, they were one hit until the last inning, so the offense was awful. But you know, you got to look at the whole stretch of things. Seven straight home wins for the wind search. They had been playing very, very well at home. Uh, so this is a team that has, you know, after a little bit of a slow start, has started playing very, very, very well. Uh, didn't have it last night, obviously. The Naturals guy uh, was was extremely good. Uh, Dante Biase was their starter for the Naturals. Of course, they're the Royals affiliate, so maybe that's a guy that we'll see here in the future. 
for October <laughs> call-ups. But um, the win surge, you know, the main story that I want to want to let people know, seven-game home winning streak uh, that they had before last night. Hopefully they'll get that rolling uh, tonight and into this weekend. One more ACR from you? I do, yeah. So I think we'd be remiss to not mention a couple of notes about the Kansas City Chiefs. They announced uh, on Thursday that they had signed a veteran pass rusher, rusher Carlos Dunlap, to a one-year contract. You know, that's kind of an area where the Chiefs needed some help. They, they ranked near the bottom of the NFL a year ago in sacks. Really, we didn't see a whole lot of pressure last year. And that's an area that I know Frank Clark is going to need to step up in this upcoming season for Kansas City. He's kind of underperformed uh, with the deal that he has with Kansas City and then finding somebody opposite of him. So they were able to bring in Carlos Dunlop. I know that they made a couple of, of draft selections back in April to hopefully help with that a little bit. But of course, those guys are going to be super young. Uh, so Carlos Dunlop is a, a veteran and hopefully can bring, um, you know, some some good poise there to the defense for Kansas City. And then also Travis Kelsey reworked his contract. He'll make three million dollars more this season uh, than he was allotted to. So um, uh-huh. what a sweetheart, a, a change in contract there for for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So those are the couple of uh, Chiefs notes that I have. Uh, well, uh, Tommy, there's episode 100 in the books. Been a pleasure for, I don't yeah. know how many, 50, half of it. I don't know how many I've been a part of in terms of the percentage, but it's been uh, it's been fun. And uh, we'll we'll see if we make it to 200. That's the goal, I guess. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I want to say before we wrap up, um, you know, for the few of you that, that listen to the show and uh, that have been uh, regulars on, you know, listening and downloading the show uh, for the last two and a half years that we've been on and the hundred episodes that we've done it, um, I want to say thank you. Um, you know, it, this really, I, I don't want to speak for you, Blake, but I know for me, um, you know, I, I was a radio broadcaster for a long time. Uh, and I'm not in radio. I still radio feel like anymore. I am radio broadcast, even though I'm not on yeah. the radio anymore. Yeah. And so this for, for me kind of scratches sure. that itch uh, that I have once every couple of weeks to even if even if nobody ever listens to the show, um, just having an opportunity to talk sports and um, just kind of feel like, you know, I've got a, a mic. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't have been more to feel like I got a microphone and we go to a black screen. <laughs> uh, it, something's wrong with your audio. Cause I'm getting like double feed over there. I don't know. There's some, there's a red triangle on your page. <laughs> oh man. Well, um, yeah, we're, we're going to wrap it up here uh, because we do get double audio. But, Tommy, I appreciate you and Weston, of course, inviting me along. It's been very, very fun to be a part of this program. And uh, we will see what the next 100 episodes have in store for the Keeper of the Games podcast. Once again, uh, I don't even know if he has audio, so I'll just tell you. You can find him at Tweets from Tommy. I am at, of course, B-E Crips, B-E-C-R-I-P-P-S. And we are at Cogpod, K-O-G-P-O-D on Twitter. And like Tommy said, thank you you guys to everybody who watched listened downloads the show shares it with a friend we really appreciate it we will see you next time on the keeper of the games you've been listening to keeper of the games don't forget to subscribe download and listen on all major podcast platforms like apple podcasts google podcasts spotify stitcher iHeartRadio, and more visit our website at cogsports.com 
Find the podcast and videos on Facebook and YouTube at Keeper of the Games. And follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at CogPod. That's K-O-G-Pod.